0: Can you tell me your full name and the year you were born?
1: Yep, it's Donna Elizabeth Muir. I don't use Elizabeth, but that's in there. And I, my date of birth, did you say? Or the year I was born? Yeah, the year you were born. 1975.
0: And where did you grow up?
1: Um, in South Lanarkshire.
0: And what's I your... Prof-
1: Blantyre, sorry.
0: Oh, Blantyre. And what's your professional...
1: Or work background. Um, well, I've had a few jobs. I'm currently a mental health nurse.
0: Yep. Okay, that's the formal statement <laughs> out of the way. And um, can you tell me a bit about how you came involved in your first role in mental health in the arts?
1: Well, I'm trying to remember. It um, was a few. It was 2014 that I. You know, became aware of the Scottish Mental Health um, Art and Film Festival stuff. Yeah. Um, I had just finished my training, thinking I went to a screening um, of a film, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about um, the kind of suicide epidemic in Brazil, I want to say, but I, I can't remember. So, in a South American country, anyway. Um, and it was just really interesting. Um, and I started following the um, smath as I call it, um, but my own personal experience of using the arts in relation to mental health is um, that I had uh, my second child in 2006 um, and I had, I think I had depression whilst I was pregnant because I had a really hard pregnancy um, and ended up in hospital before I had the baby so it wasn't a great experience anyway and I think I was quite low then um, and then after the birth it was a really traumatic birth I, I, um, I had a emergency cesarean section and I'd had one before with my first uh, daughter and I was trying to avoid it and wasn't able to you know it happened again kind of thing um, and then after that I was physically very unwell and um, I had a infected blood clot because of the surgery Um, and it was kind of on my lung, it was hard to breathe and I just had lots of kind of physical health issues. I had a condition with my pelvis due to the pregnancy which never really improved for about a year until about a year after I'd had her. I just was really run down so probably really high risk for postnatal depression Um, and you know that was kind of identified by my health visitor Um, about maybe eight weeks or something like that, six weeks or eight weeks, Um, because she knew that, that, you know, there was something not right. I I think I was quite lucky. It was previously, the health visitor had been my school nurse when I was at primary school, Um, so she knew me and my family and what have you, and she knew that I wasn't quite right. I was just going through the motions. Um, You know, I just had a baby, I had a wee toddler who was, uh, you know, delightful, and I was just... Really, so flat. I wasn't. I never recognised it as postnatal depression or even the baby blues, because I wasn't thinking straight, and because I wasn't crying. I wasn't sitting crying all day. You know, that's what I thought depression was—that you were, you know, you were thinking hopeless things and, um, you know, crying all day and you know anything made you cry, kind of thing. And I wasn't. I was just, I was just nothing. Um, and I was doing the, you know, I was being, I was being a good mum as, and I was take care of their physical needs Um, and I was there to you know to help them and manage them but I wasn't feeling anything just blank it was horrible Um, so that's you know that was the start of that journey and I used um, I found myself you know I was offered support from through the GP for talking therapy and was like absolutely not you know why would I want to speak to a stranger blah 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 and I didn't even know what it was that was wrong I didn't, didn't even know what I would say um, and I had been offered antidepressants as well and I was horrified at antidepressants so I tried to find my, muddle my own way through for about six months um. and I, that was probably when I started finding um, writing things down was you know helpful just to get it to get it out um by so that it was me that I had my daughter by Christmas time I, I decided that you know nothing had shifted very much and went and got antidepressants and it was like a you know honestly it was like life changing it was a, a it was a miracle um, and they helped really quickly like within kind of four to six weeks I noticed a difference and felt as if I was getting back to myself um, and the the po- you know so when I had started writing things down it was poems um, that I was writing because I think I've got just quite an artistic nature anyway and I kind of think in rhymes or like in rhythm so that's what I was using and then um, when I had the expressions I noticed I, I noticed the poetry changing Um so then when I looked back when I was much better um, and I looked back because it was really a journey of about two years, actually. Um, and when I looked back on it, it was like you could see you could see when it was really really bleak, um, and then you could see it changing and being thoughtful about just life and and what I could change in my life. Yeah. You know, so like that rather than just hopeless. I don't even know what today. This is horrible. Um, to starting to think about, you know, what I wanted and what I could change and then just to kind of notice nice things and enjoying myself mm-hmm. um, so you can see it like through, through the poems, it was really interesting because it wasn't my intention, um, yeah. you know, that's just kind of what happened and then when I, um, my job was part of the, the issue so when my daughter was about two, um, I left my job because it was, you know, I'd went to counselling by this point um, and realised that my job was a big part of the issue because it just was a pointless existence and um, you know and it made me feel like that and I just felt like a part of a machine that I didn't want to be a part of um, so I left that and I thought what am I going to do and um, what do I want today and I just wanted to help people actually so I started working as a carer um, for people with learning disabilities in the community and I just loved it so my mental health was completely different once I had taken control and decided this is what I want to do, I mean I was skint, um, you know, so the money situation was very depressing but it wasn't bothering me, um, you know, because I was having a, I was having a purposeful day um, and, you know, actually doing something that I enjoyed, so, and then I got into mental health nursing after after that, I did that, that for a few years until my daughter was at school, my youngest, went to school and then I went to uni to do mental health nursing, partly because of the experience that I'd
0: had yeah and two really interesting things I picked up on and one was so it sounded like you just naturally turned to writing poetry at a time in your life where it was really dark and really um quite awful for you and was that something that you just naturally picked up or was it something that you'd heard about or had access
1: through community no I mean this was so my daughter's 14 now so this was like nearly 15 years ago and um you know the the internet wasn't such a big thing on my um and my consciousness really so I wouldn't have like googled postnatal depression and looked it. it was you know there was help offered so that's you know, the NHS were very supportive. I just did not want that support, and I thought I can do this myself. And I just, I just kind of stopped. And um, so that's what happens to me when my mood, when my anxiety comes up or my mood goes down. And it's usually anxiety goes up and brings my mood down. But when that happens, or like anything actually, there was, um, I had a bereavement a couple of years ago, and the same thing happened, and I just had to stop. And not do anything except for process that. Um, mm-hmm. So You're I think reflecting. I just that. Yeah, yeah. And just sorting it out myself. And it was when I was in the, the midst of that, like when it was really bad. There was too many. It's too many thoughts to, to even catch mm. one. You know, and, and think of it. So I just had to vomit everything onto a page, <laughs> really, and just like if I if I can put it. Out, then I can sort it out or I can bin it or I can, you know, do something with it. So that's the intention was to kind of write a list, a to-do list and try and Mm organize myself. But that's not what was going on. Um, It wasn't a to-do list that that came out. Um, It was my emotions and my experiences that I was having.
0: Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say because it sounded like, Looking back at your poetry at different stages was like a timeline of your experience, your mental well-being.
1: Mhm. But I was just trying to find find a way to make myself feel better. So I suppose I must have found it. So I must have written about fifty, fifty poems or something like that in that that kind of two or three year period. And then when everything was better, I never wrote. Very rarely, write. I'll, I'll write sometimes. Someone will ask me to write something for like an occasion or like a wedding or something like that. Um, and I've always written poems for my kids' birthdays every year. Um, so I always write them up. But apart from that, you know, I don't when, when everything's cool in the gang, I don't need to to do it. So I don't do it. And there's, you know, I think they're um, quite good, and that they would people would be able to relate to them.
0: That's an amazing body of work, 50 poems.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I've never done anything. Well, no, that's not true. I was involved with um, an organisation called the Hope Cafe for a wee while um, after I finished um, my training. And before then I, it kind of fell away when I started a job because it was... Maybe about a year later or something like that. Um, I started a full time nursing job, and you can't really fit in volunteering you your full time nursing on wards and all that. Stuff. I'm too tired, and I have to look after myself. So I don't try and be superwoman. I don't try and be perfect at everything. Um, because that just makes you miserable. So I just hold my hands up and say, I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, you know, it was definitely a worthwhile journey, and it gave me. I had the space to recognise my limits and use my strengths And
0: was that through
1: the Hope Cafe? Oh well I was mentioning the Hope Cafe because they had um, I kind of shared my poetry with them and they did like a poetry group and things like that so um, you know I have done something with them and um I, pre- I did a presentation at our we had a what do you call it a conference, a student conference, um, which the students organise every year, the nursing students organise every year at UWS um in Lanarkshire. And um so you you get people to talk and people to do groups and things like that. And I volunteered to do a presentation on using the apps. Um, to improve your, your mental health, and I used um, my poems as a demonstration of how I had used it, um, and I had put the poems in the kind of order of that journey. Um, and folk were, you know, the feedback was that it was really striking that they could see the journey. You know, the, the bleak beginning, and then the starting to kind of process things, um, and then they've been back to. I don't say normal because it's a new, a different normal. Um so I didn't go back to myself the way I had been. I had obviously grown as well as a person and what have you, but um, you know, I was back to being happy again. Um I would say that if folk could to describe me, they would say I'm quite happy and energetic and optimistic. Um so it was a really horrible place to be for me. I, it was do you know it was the, the worst thing? I remember in the questionnaire, um you know, the Depression scale. One yeah. of the questions was, you know, can you remember the last time that you laughed, and or when was the last time that you laughed, and I couldn't remember. Um, I, I was just, and that's not me. I laugh every day. So that was, yeah. that was the stinger. That one was the stinger. Was it? Um.
0: So your presentation was separate.
1: Yeah. Um. But then, as as I said, the Pope Cafe. It was basically. It was so good. It was so, such a refreshing Organization to be involved in, especially when you're when you're nursing, usually. So as a mental health nurse, I find that it's I am restricted by admin um, and records, um, you know, and keeping records and detailing every patient's every wee thing. Um, and you know, for from a mental health perspective, from my own perspective, if somebody had been writing down everything that I had said to them in detail on that I would have not been happy um, but as a, as a mental health nurse I have to do that um, you know it's part of my job and I don't have to write down everything but if it's significant to a mental health presentation then I do so when I when I think about that it um, makes me uncomfortable for the for the patients actually but I the meant, well, shall i shall have to do that. So the Hope Cafe was a drop-in cafe. So they had a cafe, i say it was every Wednesday morning or something like that. Um, so you would just go along as a volunteer. And if people came in for support, you gave them support. And if people didn't come in for support, you didn't. Um, you know, there wasn't a pressure that they had to come along. Mm-hmm. You didn't keep notes on anyone. You just remembered them for the week before because because of, you know, the the human element rather than, that you had to record it for your job so um, oh. the Hope Cafe was a great experience and, and they put on groups and things like that and one of the cr- groups that they would started was a poetry group so oh. I had participated in that um and kind of used my experience of writing in poetry and just kind of shared I think that they published a wee um, book of poems as well it was stuff that we had done in the, the poetry group with the people that came along and the volunteers so it was good and What year was that roughly It was probably two thousand fourteen or fifteen right so around about
0: the time you were you were doing your training there
1: or, yeah or you'd finished um, I had finished my training in two thousand fourteen, like say it was September or something like that, and I got involved with the Hope cafe just quite shortly after that um and I was involved in for a year or two um until I did get my a full-time nursing job because so I took a wee break. Um, I just did some agency work for a, for a while because I needed a bit of a break at the end of the training. It was quite intense. So, yeah,
0: and was it a mix of practitioners or was it just um, like medical staff? or that in were the
1: whole running? cafe? Yeah, um, it was actually a girl that started it. It was two women that started it um, and one of them had come in and done a lecture on rap. do you know the rap like thing? Music. The, no, the W. No, no, W R A P. So it was a wellness recovery action plan, something like that. It's called. So they use it in adult mental health services in Scotland, um, and it's good. It's a good tool. So they had come in to um, give us a, a lecture on using this tool, and um, how did I find out about that? After that, I don't know. We just kept in touch. Um, and then she had started this Hope Cafe and it just sounded really really appealing to me because of the nature of it, just the drop in and just supporting people in the moment rather than all the planning and the machine that is the NHS um, you know and and the things that you have to do you know as a registered practitioner as well Um, there was just a bit of freedom for that because it was just in the moment help, so I just get involved. I kinda remember exactly how it came about. But um so the the two women that started it were peer support workers um and they were working in a hospital in Lanarkshire. Um but they started this because that you know they had their own experiences, of uh, mental ill health, and so they knew what was what they would have wanted, um and they they can they did it. Yeah. It's a good um, idea
0: just because I, I don't know anything about it. Um, is this based in the hospital or is it in a different
1: building? Yeah. It was in a um, church. She just had found space in a church in Lanark, um, like a church hall. Um, so, and they also had a place in Straven, I think. I went to say Straven. They had a hall or something there as well. But then they were doing, at different time, various times, they've not been able to get accommodation. Oh no, then they moved actually for the church hall to an actual cafe because somebody gave them funding. Um, I think it was the parents of somebody who had um, died by suicide and they had fundraised and gave money that they could have an actual cafe. It was lovely. It was great. It was such a great project as well to work on. Um, But then, as I say, I kind of went my own way um, and I think things started to fall apart with funding and they didn't have a premises and they were doing reach out stuff um, and then a lot of it now obviously we've had the COVID-19 situation so it's been online. I, I see that they've got an online presence um, so I'm not sure physically what they're doing these days.
0: Mm-hmm. And just thinking back to your presentation what kind of
1: reactions did you get and from the audience and Um, So that was when at the the conference, it was a mixture of people attending, it was a mixture of students and professionals in um, the mental health sector, I guess, and lecturers and whatever else. And, um, you know, it's quite exposing, obviously, because it's your darkest times um, and, you know, they're very personal. But I had enough of a distance I think that I was far enough away from the worst that I'd felt and I had done a good job of processing it and came out as a person that I wanted to be and I was quite confident in that person. I think even before um, you know before I had, had my kids in postnatal depression I don't think I would have done that you know I don't think I would have had the confidence to you know present anything of mine, um, never mind stuff like that. But then when I was doing mental health nursing, you know, it's all about, not, it's all about opening up and not stigmatising mental ill health and, uh, you know, I have to practise what I preach. I don't think you should stigmatise it and I don't think you should hide it and I don't think we shouldn't talk about it. And it's normal, um, you know, unfortunately it's normal to have a mental illness Um, and as I say I just feel as if I I knew myself a lot better coming out at the other end Um, and I was confident with who I was and you know for anybody to scrutinise that so I could you know put my work up for scrutiny because it's my work I didn't do it to, to write books or make money or impress anybody I did it for me um, and if it can help somebody else, because when I, when I, you know, when I read them, part of the the thing that I liked about mm. writing the poems in the first place was that I could get everything out, but then I organised it into a poem, um, and I liked tweaking it and you know changing it and making it making it poetic. Um, so I liked you know it distracted me from. the the thoughts funnily enough even though that's what i was working on but it distracted me by thinking about where you know word placement and um where to put breaks to make a rhythm and things like that so that was part of the distraction um sorry i've gone off on a tangent i can't mean no no, it's
0: really interesting so like you probably said it in your presentation but what impact overall did did this act of like, poetry
1: have on your mental health? Do you think? Um, I think it was just I, I really got to know myself actually. And like, see, before I had, had kids and had um, that journey that I had to have at that time um, of getting to know myself better so that I could manage my own mental health, I, I probably didn't spend much time by myself. Um, you know, if you ask my my sister and my parents and my husband even, um, you know, they would they would they would probably still say, "Oh, you couldn't live by yourself, or you couldn't go on holiday yourself, or whatever." I absolutely could. I couldn't when I was when I was younger. You know, I needed people all the time. Um, ever since I was wee, you know, I think since I was five, if I could get somebody to sleep over, or if I, you know, it was always I hated breaking away for pals or and I or else I would go and stay at my grands or you know I was always up to something and, and it was always related to people. But and certainly in the last few years, um you know, kids take so much of you. Do you know what I mean? Your time is just any spare time you've got is for the kids. Um and now any spare well even then actually I used to have to have time for myself, just me I didn't need to think about anybody else. Everybody else was sorted. I was confident that they were, everybody was safe and fed and um, you know entertained, and that I would just go and take myself off to have some Donna time. I called it, Um, you know. So I I literally would, you know, say the kids were getting what picked up to school by my parents or whatever. Because I was working ninety five, I would just have a day off, like book a day off with my work, but not tell anybody. So just go as if I was going to work, but just go somewhere else, and have a nice time. <laughs> um. So I think it, I, it just, I made oh. me more confident in myself. Just that time to think about me and what I want and what kind of person I want to be. And am I that kind of person? You know, kind of comparing the, you know, what I want to be with what what I actually am and making them meet up more because I wasn't when I was working in that job before it was a pension job I mean I don't know how how I got into a job like that because it's numbers, I'm absolutely shocking I was rubbish at it so the feedback I was getting was that I was rubbish at it I was just trying to keep my job every day you know, the pressure of that and trying to trying to pretend that you were at least competent at something um, you know, it's a lot of pressure and I hated it. You know, I didn't care if folk got their pension, I really couldn't care less about your pension. Um, and it just felt like ridiculous. It was like a ridiculous job. Um and I felt as if I wasn't actually contributing to it just wasn't who I wanted to be. So when I had the time, you know, unfortunately it, it was a horrible it started off as a horrible time. Um but I'm glad I had the time to actually think about what I wanted to do because I think lots of people don't they just you know go to the next thing the next thing and you know keep a job that they hate because this, that and the the other. Um but I just couldn't I was kinda forced to <clears throat> you know to reevaluate my whole life um and I came out the other end better for it. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. the, more the person that I would want to be. Yeah.
0: That's good that you got to do something you're passionate about how has it impacted your practice like or your work now with having had that experience
1: Mm -hmm. with arts and poetry and your journey into it I think having had the experience of depression and anxiety because even the anxiety wasn't obvious like it wasn't that I was having panics it was an anxiety that was kind of pulling me down rather than you know, making me, like, you know, that kind of high intensity. So it, was, it wasn't that, it was just, it made me kind of stop um, and went into low moods. And I never was suicidal. It was never on my radar. I just, I just never thought about it. Um, But I I, I can see how people get to that point. It's just not something that I'd thought of. Um. Thankfully. Um, but now, when people are describing their experiences to me, I work with young people and children, and I think sometimes they find it hard to articulate things or they, depending on what age they are, they might think that it's, you know, that's a weird thing. Um, and, Or they might say something that makes me think they've been there, but they're no, Saying they've been there, and I can I can say you know I don't say in my experience you know because it's affected me every time. Sometimes I do. Um, Self disclosures a very personal thing, but I use it if if it's going to be useful. Um, I use it with parents quite a lot actually because I work with young people. Um, I, I work with families as well, and you know I'm able to say you know I know that this happens when somebody's feeling like that or whatever, and they can. They can open up a wee bit because, or if I say, you know, I've been, I've had that, you know, terrible time with anxiety and low mood, and I've, I know what you're talking about, that empty feeling. I think people find that hard to describe, mm-hmm. and people who haven't had it find it hard to understand it. Um, but that's kind of where I was, just that nothing flat, um, and it becomes unbearable for people. Um, so just I think sometimes hearing that somebody else has had that experience. Um, is good and I'm just really thoughtful about how I word things and how I push people and that's not to say that I don't push people because I will push people to say you know if you want to change you need to change something Um, because that's what I've done that's what helped me I mean i changed my whole life I'm not suggesting that everybody does that but um, sometimes you need a wee change and sometimes you need a big change and I just I think I'm quite good at encouraging that. Um, and then because I've had to do that myself, I don't feel that I'm telling people to do something that I wouldn't recommend for myself um, and anything that I recommend I really believe in. Um, so I do, you know, encourage people to use the arts. I might I might not be specific about poetry or whatever, but you know, if you if you like music, you know what can we do with music? Um, you know, like if somebody plays a guitar, play, play music that you like to to listen to, play stuff that feel, makes you feel good. I mean, it's not none, it's rocket science. To improve your mood, do more things that make you happy and less things that make you miserable. <laughs> so if you've got a job that makes you miserable, you know, that's every day for seven and a half hours, that's a lot of misery in a day. Um, So change your job, you know, if you need to. If you get people that make you miserable, get right <laughs> If you can. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the times, because I work with young people, it's you know their parents or people that love, their siblings or something that make them miserable. So you can't really, um, you know, chuck them. <laughs> so I'm careful. I mean, you know, I'm realistic about what I, I, you know, recommend to the patients that I see. But I, I think it's, yeah. it gives me a, it gives me a bit of insight. Um, that people might not otherwise have.
0: Yeah, it sounded like that's what you were saying at the beginning there was that you can recognise emotions in people and even the language that you use. And I was wondering, is is what you're saying is that's linked to having had that journey, not just of, um, I think you've said depression or mental health, but with writing or with poetry and reflecting...
1: Yeah,
0: I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just thought yeah that
1: was the just I mean, I was when I was doing my nurse training, you do a whole module on reflecting um, and reflection in the first year, you did it, so it's you know to, to promote reflection and nurse, mental health nurses and um, general nurses. And honestly, it was like the most boring module of your life, but. It was about using models to reflect and whatever else. And then if to write like an essay about reflecting, honestly, it was just horrible. But um, I'm quite a reflective person anyway. I I realised when I started doing this um, and I'll reflect, you know, in the situation and definitely I'll reflect after it to think again, like it's that that meeting of things. So that's the nurse that I want to be and I think that I am. And that is the nurse that did the things. Um, you know, and I want them to, to be so I, I'm quite I'm quite a perfectionist as a nurse and I don't promote perfectionism, but you know, I'll lose my job or I could end up in jail if I don't do it perfect. Um so I'm quite I'm quite there with the the nursing um, you know, with my practice. Obviously I'm not perfect because I know everybody's perfect and you might miss something, but I think I get the important things and and I'm I'm present with the people that I'm working with at the time. I mean I might have another hundred things that i am supposed to do that day. But when I'm in a session talking to someone, that's that's where I am. And I'm, I you know, sometimes I can be in a lot longer than I should be. So as a as a nurse working in that organization I'm definitely not perfect mm-hmm. but as a nurse practicing the way I went to practice I'm closer to that that makes mm-hmm.
0: sense yeah and does writing and poetry help you to be present and be in the moment or
1: I, I I still um read poetry I write I write sometimes as I said like mostly for birthdays or things that people have asked me for but I feel as a, it's like um I think like a lot of poets, you know, actual poets, that they, they they write when they're in a crisis. Um, you know, and you don't get happy poems for them. I mean, lots of poems are thoroughly miserable. Um, you know, most of the best ones are very miserable. <laughs> um, but when you know if something happens, I know that I've got that to to do. Um, I keep I keep saying to myself, you know. I must, I must write something when, you know, even though, but I, life's so busy, um, I hardly get, you know, time to, to read a poem, never mind um, write one. So maybe yeah. when I've got more time, I'll find myself writing and it will only be miserable. I mean, some of the poems are pretty dark, um, but there's other ones and they're just. Aye, they're just nice. It was you know coming at the other end, and I probably did have more time. Um, it's just working full time, two dogs, two beans. Um, it's, it's a lot, <laughs> and I'm yeah. not superwoman, so I don't I don't try to be. I have tried, no, I've not tried to be superwoman, but I had quite a lot of things in the go at the one time, um, because I like to, I like to get involved in stuff, and I can't help myself. Um, And at one point I was volunteering for the Hope Cafe. I was involved in a political organisation. I was volunteering for the Children's Hearing Service as well. Um, And I was um, working full time and, you know, taking my kids to football training and whatever else. And I was like, "That I'm going to explode. So I had to, you know, choose what ones to put to the side and eventually had to put everything to the side. I had a bereavement a couple of years ago and I was like, everything's, everything's off. I just need to concentrate on feeling better and going to to my work Um, and everything fell by the wayside. So I'm hoping to get involved in things again soon because I'm feeling better and I've dropped the hours at my work as well so that I can do things that I want to do. Yeah, it's balance, it's finding the balance actually and it's giving yourself I think what my experience has done is, and you know, especially the the poetry, putting it down on paper and sorting through my thoughts about myself and my life and what my what life should be, um, and that's not what it should be for everyone. It's what it should be for me because that's, you know, it's what I want. Mm. Um, and I think just the the process of doing that just makes me confident that that I can. You know, give something to other people, I suppose. So I like to, to get involved in things. Um, yeah. And that was one of the things, you know, it was about how do you make, how do you make your life your own or make your life worthwhile? And it's doing things that you think that you value um, and that are worthwhile. So I think that's right. Like, but honestly, like the volunteering it was ridiculous. It was like, if anyone asked for a volunteer, couldn't it, couldn't that, um, presentation that I did. I hate talking in front of people. Um, and there was, what was the other thing I did at uni? Um, a debate. I did a couple of debates. And the first debate I got into by accident just because it says they're looking for volunteers to do such and such. And I was like, all right. And then I was like, oh God, it's today a presentation talking in front of 200 people. And with after that, I was just having honestly like palpitations about it. And I was even like the day I was feeling sick, and I thought, like, I, "I, you know, can I just can I do it for behind a curtain or something?" I just can of kind of do it. And I like I don't think they realised that it was mental health nurses that were the lecturer. Um You know, it was it was awful. And then I volunteered to do a debate in third year. So that was in first year. And I volunteered to do one in third year in my final year because I wanted to. Um, get better at doing presentations because I realised it was a real, um, something that I really struggle with and I don't want to struggle with things. So uh, I made myself do more presenting um, and I don't, you know, I'm very self-critical about my presenting so um, I think, I don't think I'd get better at it but other people might say different. Mm -hmm. And just
0: Jump in topic a wee bit here but when you were saying earlier that young people that you work with sometimes feel a stigma or they don't feel normal how would you say in your experience that attitudes have changed?
1: God I think they've definitely changed but I don't know that it's been that positive a thing if I'm honest with you from my perspective Um, so I think there's definitely um, more talk about mental health and mental illness and it's okay to talk about it and that's much better. I'm not saying that it's okay in every circumstance or every setting, um, but I think that it's definitely on people's mind and on people's um, lips, you know, people talk they talk about it. As I say working with young people, they seem most you know, seem okay to be coming along to health service and they don't, they're not bothered about their pals finding it and whatever else. Um, so they're no, I'm not saying that they they don't like promote it or anything like that. Well, maybe some, maybe some do. I don't know. I'm a very strong believer in the recovery model, um, and mental health and illness. I, and I think because I've recovered to the extent that I have. Um, I'm quite enthusiastic about that with the young people that I work with, especially young people. That's why I started working with young people because it was a bit more hopeful. You know, they've not been um, using um, negative coping strategies for 30 years, which is a hard thing to break. So you're getting people um, early and trying to teach them positive coping skills early. Um, So I'm I'm definitely one for recovery. I don't know that we do enough of that in mental health services. We talk about it, but I don't know how effective that is.
0: Yeah, and is there any link with the recovery model in arts
1: and mental health? Absolutely. Um, Again, you know, I think any mental health kind <clears> of <throat> framework is essentially doing more stuff that you like to do to improve your mood or building on stuff to make you feel more confident and less anxious um and certainly the arts have to be a huge part of that i mean I think it's just obvious to me that the arts is is important but like I know people for whom it's not important at all um, and I'm just, I can't even understand it, um, you know, not to like music, I don't even understand that. Um, you know, that's a thing that's a, a for me, it's like, so when I say to people, you know, what about listening to music that you like, I don't like music, and I'm going, any music? No, And I'm going, I'm just gobsmacked, it's like, how can you, how can you know? Or like, so one of the things I do and I don't want to do to make myself feel better is go to um, at galleries or museums, um, you know, and I just get a real buzz out of being in the same room as amazing paintings or sculptures. Um or whatever. So you know that so if I said to suggest to somebody like maybe could go to a museum and they'd be go, oh God, I hate museums. I you know, I'm not that that's my favourite thing. <laughs> so I I'm not quite so understanding when um people are are kind of rejecting that or so I suppose it is the first thing that I Suggest to people, well, it's a balance again. Like you need exercise, you need a good diet, you need good sleep, but you need to you need things that you get a buzz off, um, or that you just enjoy being around. And the arts is definitely that for me. I mean, I'm a big reader as well, so like I'll speak to young people about reading books or listening to audio books or something like that. So literature is probably my favourite thing. So then, when they're uh, like, oh no, I hate books, it's like, oh, don't tell me that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what are the attitudes and have they changed, like within a, a clinical setting or with, with colleagues? Because you mentioned SMAF, like, is that something that's well known and shared? Or? I think so.
1: I think. I honestly, I find out about things and hardly anybody else knows about them um, because I'm just quite nosy and interested. I'm not really nosy at, like, in a gossipy way or anything like that. or I'm not even that nosy about people's... I'm I'm quite weird for a mental health nurse cause mental health nurses are pretty nosy. Um, but I'm not really that nosy. About. I want to know if there's something that can help somebody or if there's something that I would like. So, like the, as I say, I don't know how I came across It's just the things that I follow probably on um, social media that, that leads me on to other things. But, um, like, I went to that, um ran into that um, film, as I was talking about before, and there was like, I don't know if there was even 10 people there. And honestly, like, see, so when I see these things, I'm like, I need to get tickets, I need to get them quick because it'll definitely be sold out. And then, so I'll get two tickets for me and whoever I decide to take. And they're like, Donna, do you really think it's going to be sold out? And I was like, definitely, because why would you know where to go to this? Um, And then we get there and there's like a handful of people. (laughs) And It's a shame, it's such a shame. Um, But I I don't think it's it's very well known. I, I share things when I see it on, I think I get posts on Facebook, um, from, from there and I try and go to events and things like that if, if I can but I haven't been for a while actually just with commitments and whatever else but I think it's a great a great thing Yeah um,
0: Was there anything in particular that I've not touched on that feels important about this
1: um, it's probably probably working with young people. I'm thinking it would be a great thing to get um, young people involved in it because I think that it was definitely one of the important things that changed my life when I was in a really bad place. Um, and I don't think that you can discard the arts as you know an add-on Um, You know, it was absolutely, probably the thing that shifted. It kept shifting me because it was that process. And it doesn't matter if you're writing a poem or if you're painting a picture or painting paint pictures or um, even just journaling or whatever. It's your boat, you know, making things. Um, I think it's really an important part of that journey to, to keep moving on and I don't think I could have done it without using that, actually. Yeah, so
0: like, where would, where would you like to see mental health and arts in the next five years,
1: in the next ten years? I think I would like to see it being specifically on the agenda, um, rather than, as I say, an add-on, like mm. people doing it if they want to do it. And I'm not saying that we should be forcing people you know, to go to an art class or something like that, but if it's, aye, if it's on kind of the agenda, a kind of political agenda even, or um, just kind of planning services agenda, then it's going to get more resources put its way and then it can reach more people. And as I say, you know, I don't think I'd be the person I'm today if I hadn't if I hadn't used that that because as I say, you know, writing the, writing things down for me that they, did become poems. That was how I processed things, but also the um you know having the days to myself to go and go to a museum or an art gallery. Um or like go to places with nice architecture or sculptures like the Kelpies or something like that, it's just, you know, it just you can feel it, you know what I mean? Like if I go to, if I see a nice um, statue or something, it's not that I, I think there's a nice statue, you know, I feel, you know, I mean, it's, I buy things as well, I buy art, when I sh- you know, when I've not got any money, I shouldn't be, but I must have it. <laughs> um, and you know, like, I don't know if it's food, but, you can see, but it's a bit dark in here, but that's mm-hmm. my wall my over there by all my things. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. and you're you great. <laughs> you <know>, things make me happy, things in the yeah. wall. And I almost put them up a couple of weeks ago, um, because they had been in various, since I moved house a couple of years ago, they were still in boxes and stuff like that. And I was like, I need to put these up because it's a shame that they're in the boxes and when I put them up you know, I'm happy every day that I see them. Every time I walk in my house I'm like, oh there's my <laughs> Um, and they've all you know, each thing's either got a story or you know, some some things are just lovely Um, and I just get that buzz for it just been lovely or I get the buzz for remembering the day that I bought that thing or remembering like I've got a, a friend, got an artist to do painting of um, a picture that I took when we were out for the day so my friend doesn't keep very well um, and we went to the seaside for the day and it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day so funny um, and we just sat, it was a Donna day um, and I was going to the seaside and my pa, I said to my pal if she wanted to come because she's not, doesn't no driver in and doesn't no really get the opportunity I said but you can only come if you don't talk to me because it's a Donna day so we're not doing like chat, chat and all that this is, you know can come but you can just sit beside me kind of thing and keep quiet she's like oh that's brilliant that's brilliant and we went and so we had the picnic you know the picnic just camping chairs Um we took them right up to the the water and it was bloody miles away because the tide was it so um we took them away out and the door I had a picnic bag um I had a towel we each had a towel and we had them on the chairs and I had taken a, we were only sitting in the chairs and I had taken a picture of these two chairs just sitting on the beach um and she got a painting done of that day because it was on it was like two or three years ago and we still go on about it. I remember that day and that was brilliant. Um so I've got one a painting of that and it just reminds me of that lovely, lovely of day that I had um and you know lifts me up again. So I'm always I'm now I'm very careful about my mental health and that's the that's the first thing that I address. Um and if it starts to slip it's the you know I fix it. I would I would probably leave a physical um complaint for much longer than I would leave a mental health complaint. When I thought, and see when I go into places that doesn't have anything on the walls, and it's quite, you know, I just think it's um, sad or clinical because I'm a nurse, obviously. And in a lot of kind of panic rooms, you don't have anything. So when I go into a bear's house, I'm like, oh, and it's all tidy and minimalist, and all the rest of it. But I'd maybe get one one thing in the wall or something to look arty. Um, I'm like, oh my god, it's so sad. No. Where's all get books? Like, I've got far too many books, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, would, I, I think it's weird when you go into a house and there's no books or any, any of this personality lying a bit around the walls. I, I need it. Mm-hmm. And how do you encourage people to
0: integrate art in their lives? and I probably
1: don't like, have a specific agenda to do that. Um, but my family's quite artistic. Um, so my sister, she writes, she writes short stories and poems. My brothers, um, my brothers really artistic for drawing and painting. Um, my cousins and a, a professional artist. Our dad, who's the uncle that I lost a couple of years ago, um, was a professional artist. Um, we've got lots of musicians and so we're quite active people on photography and you know I've I like um, photography as well actually I would promote that promote to people who are interested in that like um, I get a lot out of that and again it's the it's the like the tweaking of the the poetry it's like looking for a, a shot and taking your time and being in the moment and thinking what would look, what would make that that there? What would make that look nice? You know, would it be to put the camera lower down to get a shot of kind of foreground with that in the back? You know, so it's all that kind of thinking and sorting. And it distracts you if it, and you're in the moment with that. And I know that, um, you know, sometimes people know that we're using cameras for your phones for everything and videoing things and taking photographs, and it's like, oh, you know, you should just be in the moment with something. But I actually, Get a lot out of it, taking a photograph, um, and then I've got something to look back on, and and I and I take lots of photographs, and then pick the best, you know, the one that looks the best, or mm-hmm. and I'll you know maybe um crop it a wee bit or something to make it so it's that artistic element of that. So looking for the for it to look at the best that it can look, um, and I quite quite like that process.
0: And do the young people share with you any work they've done, like whether it's poems or writing or
1: photos? Um, Probably we don't give them that opportunity very often, actually. But I think about it, as I say, it's it's the NHS and um, it's quite... You've only got a short period of time with people and you know so they will share things if they decide to bring something along but I think quite often they don't share things because they're not confident enough yet maybe um, or they want to keep it separate from the hard stuff because they come to our clinics we don't see them in their houses very often we don't have the time or the staff and um, so they come to a clinic, and it's quite a clinic setting, and it's quite medicalised. Um, and actually, I'm an ADHD nurse, so it's even more medicalised because I'm doing kind of blood pressures monitoring and um, height and weight and charting and things like that. So um, probably don't get an opportunity for that. Hmm. Interesting. And at the, I'm the doing Hope pretty... Cafe. Sorry, yeah. Did they, did they at the Hope Cafe? Yeah, well, we kind of did it together. Um, You know, if we were doing groups, there was like jewellery making groups or um, like art or there was a massage therapist there um, all the time. It was so good. The massage therapist gave um, massages for carers. So if if you were a carer for anyone, um, you know, you would go in and get a free massage and things like that. Um, And as I say, the poetry uh, group and just kind of writing group. Um, and they would share things, and they, I think they got a lot of it, actually, because they didn't have a lot of confidence in their shelf, or they've ne- maybe never tried it before, and um, all, all they ever got was positive feedback. Um, I mean, it wasn't to say that folks said, oh, that's an amazing poem, when it was a load of rubbish. Um, it was, you know, there, there's all something positive that you could find in it, because it they were usually quite insightful. Or there was one lady who was just, they were just hilarious. Her um, poems were just really funny. Um, so, it was, it was good to see people having the confidence that they probably didn't have before. Um, or their confidence, that's one of the things I'd say, you know, your confidence is just knocked. Um, you know, when you're in that kind of place, you can't, you just think that you can't do anything and you're rubbish at everything, really. You know, I can't even get out of my bed. I can't even do that massive pile of laundry. Um, you know, I can't even do my dishes. So you just sit down on yourself. So to you're building yourself back up for that. Um, And how you do that is on the positive, a lot of it is the positive feedback you get to other people.
0: Yeah. I've kept you for quite a while, so... Conscious of time and I know you've got stuff to get back to. But thank mm-hmm. you so much for um for sharing so much detail and um, really taking time over it. I really appreciate it and it will be um really good for this project as well. All right, it was nice to talk to you and thanks for listening yeah. and rambling on. That's okay. Thanks for sharing so much. Okay. Okay then. It's nice to meet you. Bye.
1: And,
0: uh, bye. Okay, bye.